Hello and welcome to the Emerald Games Cast episode 38. My name is Nolan, with me is... I'm Janelle. And? I'm Alex. And welcome back, listener, for the first episode that is less than three episodes away from episode 40. <laughs> which we have to have some kind of special anniversary celebration for, right? It's like only 12 episodes away from one year, so that makes this 14 away. You're marketing year. this podcast like a Disneyland markets themselves, where they're desperately right. trying to find a new anniversary for a reason to go to, go to it. Um, but oh, unlike yeah. Disneyland, oh, yeah. you can listen to this for free, and you also don't have to compromise your morals with an ambiguous listen and shady company. Listen to all of episode 38 at 0.5 speed three times in a row to gain free access to the next three episodes in your inbox. That's how this podcast works now. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> We're pivoting. We're pivoting to a, We're pivoting a new to a cryptic full, cast. Yeah, a full paid model. I don't yep. like it when people listen to podcasts at like times two speed. I don't either. I hate that. I hate it that. It drives me insane. I hate I... that listeners of the show who I know for a fact do that. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't call out listeners who listen to the Emerald Games cast at two times speed. Why? They you probably know. couldn't hear me because I was talking too fast. <laughs> no, the scary thing is they can. I have a really good friend oh. who is a uh, who is a sports journalist, actually. So his uh-huh. job is to consume as much media as possible and then write about it, right? So, like, he watches and listens to everything at up to, like, three times speed. And he's able to understand it perfectly. He's but why I said that. It's ter- No, I know. It's terrifying. I hate it. And I tell him every time I hear about it or think about it how much I hate it. All I'm saying is I can't imagine, like, any of my favorite moments from podcasts that I like getting to enjoy them with the weird robotic overtone of everybody being sped up. It, 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 it makes me uncomfortable. I've tried YouTube videos like that because uh, I wanted to understand, you know? <laughs> I wanted to know what it was like, and I, I, don't, I don't live in that headspace. No. You I'm kind already... of just remove the human element of it. Like, it stops being like a natural conversation and starts being just like content just like raw dialogue you know what you know? we should do to counteract people who do this Talk we should really speak slow. uh half the speed so that they're forced actually whatever the maximum speed up on like cast box is we cut ourselves <laughs> down by that same ratio so that they can't escape that's how they <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna record this podcast like how they shot little shop of horrors at like half speed so the animatronics looked right yep yeah like, half and speed then... so people can listen to it at the right speed we th- throw this to our editor and they're like why is this podcast eight hours long this week? <laughs> what is going on over there at the emerald games cast tower at the media tower which we do record have. at we do yeah have one yeah of those uh well yep we're back again and uh alex how are you doing up there in the land of alex i'm i'm doing great um i heard you bought a new video game this i week. did buy a new that, video that game. just also came out this week a, a very technically brand new video game that came out technically right. this week um which is untechnically as old as me Aww. oh yeah it is you're right yep. uh so this is a game called moon sometimes it's called um moon a remix rpg but this game came out in 1997 uh japan exclusive uh, was made by a company, Lovedelic, which has a lot of really cool people that all went on to do great things. Um, uh, Taro Kudo did a bunch of uh, writing for the Paper Mario games and produced and directed uh, Chibi Robo. Uh, Kenichi Nishi did uh, more Chibi Robo stuff. Um, he was involved in Mario RPG and Chrono Trigger. Um, and this is a very characteristically weird game that fits in with a couple of those things um so this game called moon 
uh, I, I, I guess you could say it takes place in the real world, air quotes. The game starts and it shows the logo of like the, the company that's publishing it and the company that developed it. And you get out of bed and you walk down the hall and you turn on your video game console. And I don't remember the name of the game you're playing, but you play what's basically like a Dragon Quest-esque RPG. Mm-hmm. And when you boot up the, the, the game on your fake PlayStation, the, the company's logo again shows up twice the same way as it was before. But this time it's mirrored by a little uh, CRT screen. And I think the moment I saw that, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm already enjoying this. This is cute. Um, there's also a really nice scene where there's a very lengthy, like, lore explanation written in, like, hard-to-read Old English. And it starts off really slow, and it takes forever. But eventually, they're just, like, by the end of it, it's, like, multiple paragraphs that are flashing by you. And you can't control how fast it's going, so you're just struggling <laughs> to read it. Um, and you play this very standard... Uh, you know, JRPG, where you are the hero and the king has appointed you to slay the dragon who has uh, devoured the moon. He has devoured the moonlight. So you have to stop him. And you have to kill all the monsters that are in your way. And you go into the towns and everyone's willing to give you their stuff and their cupboards to help out. Um, you, it's just very cartoonishly typical JRPG fare. Um, mm. And right before you get to the final boss, uh, your mom yells at you to turn the game off and go to bed. <laughs> and when you go to bed, the TV comes back on and like lights up your room with the little CRT static. You go towards it, and then suddenly the character is he's in the game. He died in real life, and he went in the game. I don't know if he died. He's probably fine, but he's in the game. <laughs> <laughs> he probably fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a dream sequence. So the, the... And then you beat the game, and it plays the credits, and then you die in real life, and then you wake up, and you see <laughs> the credits in yeah. front of you in real life. And... <laughs> You, you, the, nobody can see you. You're just, like, completely transparent. So you're walking around town, and everyone's talking about how much they don't trust this hero character. They're like, yeah, he just, like, went into my house and, like, raided my cupboards. And he was talking about experience. He attacked the town dog for experience. I don't know what that is. Um, and so you're trying to kind of get the lay of the land. And you find this elderly woman who thinks you're her dead grandchild. Um, so she gives you your clothes or the, the guy's all clothes so people can see him. And Grandma can't see very well, so she's the whole time like, oh, my dear sweet... I name my character myself. She's like, oh, my dear sweet Alex, I, I love you so much. It's been so long since you've been gone. And so you're walking around is literally just a pair of clothes, and everyone else is like, huh, that's weird. You're just a pit. You're just like a hat and a coat and pants and gloves. <laughs> that's weird, and they don't they don't comment on it after that. Um, huh. And this, this game is significant. I think the main reason that this game is even out in america for so many years is because toby fox the 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 one man renaissance man behind undertale specifically cited this as a huge influence to uh, the development of undertale because it was also kind of a deconstruction and analysis of like well why is why is this game like this right uh mm -hmm. this this quote-unquote hero is not the hero if you look at it from a different perspective that's not how it works at all these people are are frustrated um there's also an interesting mechanic where you have to go and there's like a goddess who comes to you at night and is like, so the hero has been killing all of these monsters and it's up to you to, to save them with love, right? So you have to capture their souls so they can go back into their bodies and be rescued and come back to life. And they reward you with love, which is like not only like a social currency, but it's like your health bar. So you only have a certain amount of love in the day. And if you run out of love, you just die. You just keel over and die and it's game over. And you start from when you went to sleep last in game. So you're constantly needing to go. There's no combat to my understanding, at least not as far as I am. 
He was constantly needing to hop around and help out villagers and monsters and other weird, wacky things and creatures to get more love. Because there's more love in the world to seek out, and you have to spread it, and you have to collect it. Um, but it's just, it just oozes charm. I mentioned Chibi-Robo, and I think I mentioned Chibi-Robo a while ago, because it's one of my favorite games of, of that year, with our yearly video game of the uh-huh, year uh-huh. thing. Um, but it's just it's just so weird and strange and charming. Some parts are like uh, pixel art. Some parts are like stop motion. Everything's like made of clay. Some parts are for the for the for the PS One surprisingly like well animated and rendered uh, models. Um, it's just all these different weird meshes of styles and designs that all make this unbelievably weird, charming game. See, um, I, I think... first heard about it because it was translated by someone we've mentioned before in the podcast, a uh, ex-Kotaku journalist, now more of an independent creator, uh, Tim Rogers. Yes, who, yes. Um, fluent in Japanese, worked in translation before. Kind of, to my understanding, did this translation as, if, if not a solo project, damn near close to it, mm-hmm. um, and was very, very passionate about it. Um, and I can and I see why. Actually, I have mentioned on the podcast in the past a video series that Tim Rogers did where he took Final Fantasy VII and basically did a retranslation of it where he talked about all of the language nuance and different ways the Japanese and English scripts interlocked and conflicted and added to one another and whatever. Ever since then, I've always, I've always wanted to see what he could do at the helm of a localization project. So to me, that honestly is the main draw here. But from hearing you talk about it, I'm a lot more interested than I was, you know, this morning because it it sounds very up my alley. I I like the idea of this game that really plays with what the format of the game is doing. And because I had this image in my head of sort of when I was thinking of aesthetically what it would look like, I was imagining, I think Final Fantasy IX just kind of, pre-rendered backgrounds and Mm -hmm. models running around on it but you're saying this is only one lens they're showing this world through yeah it's 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 unbelievably weird and it just oozes with like artistic charm and style um and that's and that's pretty typical of kenichi nishi um just taking weird directions for games and very very uniquely just, just very unique to that team which is like split off and like reformed like three or four different times throughout history since 1997 mm-hmm. when they made this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think you would really enjoy it, Nolan. It's it's just it's endlessly charming. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same place as Nolan. I wasn't so interested in it other than the Tim Rogers angle earlier, mm. but now it just sounds really cute. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think that I there's something really poignant about it that I've been thinking about lately too, which is the fact that like I think it's really interesting that the angle in this game is very much you know in our current like political climate that they're like well this system doesn't work very well this hero kind of sucks and ruins everything but well you know it's all we got and this game is actively like well no no let's try something different let's see maybe it doesn't have to be like this somehow i think that's the dragon yeah i think that yes there's got to be a dragon we got to defeat and it's like well hold on maybe we're not getting the whole picture here and maybe there is a better maybe there's a better system than you know, ruthlessly murdering people just out in the street whenever you encounter them because they're not like you, you know? Yeah. What what happens economically to these towns when this person is like, 
I sell cucumbers and tomatoes. Yesterday, he came in and bought 30 of each and left me only with four suits of dragon armor. I have no idea what the fuck to do with any of this. And I have no stock left and nobody is here growing any plants until next season. We're all gonna die. There's a there's a baker named Baker and his uh, his shop is called Baker Squared. And you go in and he no. says something similar. Where it's like, oh, come on, that's cute. I like that. Baker, Baker. Yeah, Baker I Squared. I love that. Um, but you come into his shop and he's like really shy and meek and he like wants to help out the the sort of vagrant that lives in town and is talking about how he's like, yeah, uh, you know, the, the hero came in and just like went and stole, uh, this woman's like clothes cause he thought that they were armor and it's like, and she's upset cause she lost her, she lost these clothes that she had and she really liked. It was like a dress or something. And he just, he's just like really mournful about it and when you try to go behind the desk and go upstairs she's like no 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 you're no better than the hero you don't get to do that get get back out here and buy some bread or leave you oh, know i like that that's really yeah. nice yeah yeah this game I, it looks really neat and charming and it feels really neat and charming i'm I'm also very intrigued by you comparing it to to tulip which may or may not have happened off mic actually but in any uh, case not, i think i compared it to tulip on mic we yeah okay but what yeah part of the dev team branched off the tulip and they also made this other game uh Risk of Rose, I think. Janelle, you'd probably mm. know, but this is a PS2 horror game that is I've like super rare. Okay. Yep, I I found it on some weird rare games website one time for like two thousand dollars. Yeah, it, it costs a Damn. lot. Um, yeah. Apparently, it's like not very good, but it is also well, that's debatable. It's a cult classic, so clearly people are interested enough in it. I want it because um, I can't have it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but part yeah, of that with, team. Me with Panzer Dragoon. I have no interest in Panzer Dragoon, but you show me that price tag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Part of that team branched off to make Tulip and also... Is it Risk of Rose? Is that the name? Do you remember? Um, I think so. It's similar enough for you to remember yeah, it. Yeah, so. it's similar yeah, enough yeah. for me to know what you're talking about, but not exactly remember yeah, what it's yeah. called. And part of them branched off to become Skip Limited, who made Chibi-Robo and uh, Captain Rainbow, which never got a uh, uh, English release um, and split off every which way. But they've a lot of them have reformed to become Onion Games and got the rights back to Moon and re-released it, so... So check cool. out check out moon if you're into to weird uh experiences weird meta commentary video games oh yeah i'd like to see an rpg address the way that companion quests work like in um i guess that isn't quite the term term but i'm playing suikoden 2 right now and i guess for example there's a character named gordon who you go talk to you want to set up a trading post in your home base and he's a trader and he'll go yeah i'd, I'd love to come work for you but only if you can make 50,000 gold on the stock market. And I, I just feel like in real life, you just be like, you you vindictive prick. <laughs> we're, we're at war. The fate of the nation is in in our hands. And you, you're testing me. And that just wouldn't fly. In a, you know, or, like in, or like in the Mass Effect games, how people are like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely like fight full power for you, but only if you rectify my relationship with my father and i just think it's it's a it gives me the the same the same sort of like heebie-jeebies that uh weird in-game romances with like number quantifiers do like talk to this character x times and then they'll sleep with you talk to them nine times before the battle of green hill and you can have them as your girlfriend give them a hard-boiled egg every day and then they'll marry you Is that yeah. not how that works? I, I'm uh, under the I've always been under the impression that's how it works, but uh Janelle just went to the kitchen and just dumped a, her whole vat of hard boiled eggs into the garbage disposal. Yeah, all, <laughs> all, 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 <laughs> meanwhile. Yeah. Huh. Um, well 
But yeah, that, that game is, is is endlessly charming. It is out on Nintendo Switch. Uh, give it a look if you're into weird meta-commentary games. What's it cost? Um, it costs a weird price. It's like nineteen ninety nine or something. I don't Wait, know why. That's they a did... regular price. No, no, no that's sorry. It's a very sorry. normal price. It's like eighteen ninety nine. Ah, the it's end like... of the Age of Outlaws. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> not quite it's not quite like a normal price. I was the first thing I said okay. when I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's a weird price. It's not it's not twenty and it's not fifteen. It's somewhere in between there. Maybe there's some deep meaning hidden in these numbers. Maybe. Yeah. Can, I don't know say. how much it sold for, um, on the PS1 when it originally came out, but probably not that. Yeah, probably not, <laughs> probably not that. Well, so is it is it news time? Yeah, I think it's news time. News time. More like snooze time. Seriously, more like snooze time. Shut up, well, this podcast listener. Listeners, last week we talked about Epic and, and the week Apple. Before we talked about Epic and, and the week before <laughs> we talked about Epic. Listen, it's still happening. We've always talked about them. You have to understand. There's. Not a lot happening. We've in always game. been at war with Eurasia. That's right. That's right. The chocolate rations are only going up, my friends. There Everything is no is war in Bossing Say. I love Tim Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Epic Games has been at war with Apple. We know about this. And there's not a lot happening in the games industry in terms of games being made right now because of circumstances, extenuating circumstances. So this is about the, the length of it. So, last week we talked about this going to a lawsuit, and if you don't remember what this was, is that Epic wanted to create uh, a system in the mobile app for Fortnite wherein players could, could make in-app purchases in order to, uh, to buy stuff directly from Epic, rather than what the status quo was at the time, uh, and still is, which is that you would have to put your microtransactions through the app store itself, thereby giving Apple a 30% cut of whatever the transaction was on your end. And when Epic tried to get around that 30% cut, um, it led to Apple removing Fortnite from the app store. Uh, and eventually where we are currently right now, Apple is actually removing every instance of the Unreal Engine mm. off of the app store in general. Well, they wanted to. They wanted to? Yeah. So the, the news is that they're not allowed to do that. Because of what the judge ruled. Which is that right. they're not allowed to do that, but they are allowed to kick Epic off of the Apple Store. And they deleted their... And Fortnite. And Fortnite, yeah. Epic and Fortnite are gone from Apple. Maybe forever. But yeah, essentially last week we weren't, sh we weren't sure if they were going to be able to get rid of the Unreal Engine, which would have been very harmful for publishers who aren't Epic. Um, but they can't. But they don't have to have Fortnite back, Because the Unreal the Engine is, is not a proprietary engine that Epic only uses internally. They, right. They, it's, it's a very easy engine to license out. It's one um, of those popular ones, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a very popular, like, accessible engine for a lot of um, games that want to get like graphical fidelity without a lot of cost. So, you know, it's not quite like unity level accessible, but it's, it's, it's very spread around. Right. Um, and this is just funny to me. The official ruling is that Epic games won a temporary restraining order against Apple. Oh my God. And, uh, I, I don't think that adds to the context of the story, but I really like that nomenclature. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what the legal term is, but it sounds like they're not allowed to get within a 20-foot radius of them. Or, like, yard radius. I forget what the terminology is for most so, of them, but... So, 
<laughs> Can you imagine Tim Sweeney's walking down the street and he's like, put that iPhone back in your pocket. <laughs> Get that away from me. I don't want it anywhere okay, near me. Here's, here's the actual court ruling. And this is uh, quoted from The Verge, um, an article by journalists Russell, Russell Brandom and Sean Hollister and Jay Peters wrote, Effective immediately, Apple cannot retaliate against the company by terminating the developer account, which, by the way, Apple wanted to, like, terminate Epic's account completely from their system, to support the company's Unreal Engine. But in the same ruling, Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers decided that Apple will not be required to bring Fortnite, blah, blah, we already talked about that. But, so, the war <laughs> continues is the main War is idea over. Here. Is it, is this it? This feels like it, because we've talked about this for three weeks. I think it's it. Well, it might be it in terms of big moves, but, you know... The battle is lost, (laughs) but the the war goes on. I mean, Epic has has been out here trying to create something of a pseudo-social movement to to (laughs) revive Fortnite on iPhones. So, I guess the question here is, will Epic stop at this win, or will they try to get Fortnite back on the store? I don't know, because they made a really strong statement against Apple and what they were doing. Um, but other people have come out and noted, like, hey, it's not just Apple that's doing this. It's not just mobile companies that are doing this. Yeah. Um, they very deliberately picked their battle against uh, uh, these phone like store front pages because it's a battle they knew they could win with their gamer cred, right? If you look at consoles, the, sim- the spread is pretty much the same. Like, they get a cut, too, because it's their hardware and their servers sometimes. And their, like, system, you know? Hey, doesn't... Maybe I'm misremembering, but doesn't Epic take a cut on the Epic Store for it's other... It's very, small very, cut, very, okay. very small. Yeah. Like, developers have universally praised the Epic Store for that. Like, okay, yeah, fact, I couldn't remember if it was really small or really huge. I one, knew it was one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> one big foothold that Epic has made is that Steam takes a relatively large cut for Like, 30 sale. or 40, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Epic, Epic was able to draw in a very large amount of developers really early on by making themselves very attractive by cutting down that, it was like a 12 percent cut. cut or something right that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay um and i want to i want to note that in the article it also says that the ruling is limited in scope because there's going to be more arguments heard later um this article notes that there is going to be another injunction um and that the court hasn't exactly settled on when that will happen but epic spokespeople have predicted that it's going to be probably another four to six months until they can get their more detailed arguments in and apple themselves have talked about like another discovery period with another trial that they predict won't happen for like nine or ten months out so there is going to be i think further rulings because potentially these these rulings could be relatively far-reaching in terms of setting a precedent for what apple can and can't do to the developers that use its platform Mm -hmm. so this it's it's a developing story that will develop for a long time probably and unless anything big happens we probably don't have anything else to say about it sorry listeners i know that the apple epic segment is your favorite part of the week everyone's favorite part yeah this is the emerald games cast equivalent of like the weather report where like tim sweeney is still really mad and tim cook is still really mad it is uh, still raining 
You still can't play Fortnite on your phone. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sorry, Fortnite. I was going to say you can't play this game on your phone, but... Well, I guess you can. In, so you can play a game in this franchise on your phone. Um, oh? Oh? Uh, so, a new Call of Duty game was announced after apparently being teased for a while in their um, in their Battle Royale mode, and like there was a little ARG they had going on. Um, Love those. Yeah, but it's a, it's a new Black Ops game. Uh, it's which if you if you're familiar with their nomenclature means they handed it to Treyarch, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm not. So it they, they so it, there's there's three developers and um, they go in a predictable. Wasn't it two until just recently? It was two until Sledgehammer was added to the mix. Uh. Um, but they go in a predictable one, two, three. I don't remember what the order is, but you can you know before the game's announced, Treyarch's making the next announcement or whatnot. Hmm. But they announced a game that's called uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, the logo and the name sounds like one step removed from those Live, Laugh, Love t-shirts with all of the like motivational <laughs> phrases on them, you know? It's just yeah. like three separate things that are all different fonts. The war is cold, but the game is hot. The baby. black is ops. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev might have torn down that wall. But we're still building our player base. There's a very interesting... <laughs> speaking of Mr. Gorbachev, there's a very interesting um, trailer that they use with a... Uh, mm. I believe it was a real-world former KGB-like um, dude. And he was talking about how, like, you need to remember your history. And it was various uh, crimes and atrocities that happened during the span of the Cold War. Including a little something called uh, Tiananmen Square. The Tiananmen Square Massacre. Which was uh, promptly removed from every worldwide trailer and replaced uh, once they realized, oh wait, this is Tiananmen Square, we are not allowed well, to show this. Not even replaced. The original trailer was over two minutes long, and the only currently accessible trailer is just over one minute long. They actually removed quite oh, a wow. bit in order yeah. to get around this, this footage of the massacre. But It's so frustratingly tone-deaf to have... I mean, we can get into, like, Cold War politics and, and the nightmare that's created even now, but, like, to have someone tell you that, hey, you should know your history or you're doomed to repeat it, and then immediately remove a very important part of history to appease a global power that is largely seen as undesirable and, at like, at worst, I guess. No, that's not right. Not You, you don't remove that like at their behest yeah, yeah it's yeah. scummy and it's insincere and it's what i would expect from a game that turned um global politics into like a, a shootout you know mm -hmm. i am not entirely unconvinced and i'm i'm, I'm putting on my my tinfoil hat here um there isn't there, there is no way that higher ups at activision triarch did not know that putting footage of Tiananmen Square would get this trailer trouble in China. There is also no way that they made the strategic call to not market this game to China, where Call of Duty sells very well. Mm -hmm. uh, this trailer got taken down, but this trailer did not get the game banned in China. Um, I think this is all very predictable, and I'm not entirely unconvinced that because this game is thematically going to be about information warfare that they didn't get this trailer visibly banned on purpose Interesting. For, the, for, for the clout. Because if your game is about governments withholding information, 
and the first trailer you release gets taken down for information control. Uh, I, I, it's 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 clever, I, and I just don't I just don't see like that anybody in the marketing team could think that they could get away with that without causing trouble with Beijing. So I interesting. So you think this is kind of like well, do you think this is like a Metal Gear Five situation where it's unfinished and that's retroactively an interesting development, or do you think this was intentional from the beginning? I I don't know. I I mean I don't I don't want to say that it was intentional from the beginning because I have absolutely no idea what's happened behind closed doors. Sure. Um, but I'm saying considering that this didn't get the game, like this didn't, it's not going to affect their sales in mm-hmm. terms of China, but it is going to draw more attention to the game. We, we, we wouldn't be talking about Black Ops Cold War. Yeah. Um, but now I'm kind of interested in it. And... It's just making me think that it would be a smart mark if I were in charge of marketing. I wouldn't have thought of this, but if I had, I'd be proud. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Call of Duty franchise does have a history of uh, denying war crimes. Like I think it was the most recent yep. one that there was a war crime the U.S. Army did, and then they very subtly decided to suggest that it was uh, Russia's fault. Uh, it was called the Highway of Death. Yes, and it wasn't even it wasn't even that subtle. It was an expositional cutscene before a mission that used the same highway and scenario and said that Russia. They basically explained the ta- attack mm-hmm. in in surface detail and, and just said that it was Russia that yeah. did it. Yeah. Um, so they were like savvy enough to source real world conflict for scenario creation, but also savvy enough to keep their department of defense funding by pretending it wasn't us mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh it's scummy it's scummy and this is nothing new people have had uh have been criticizing the call of duty franchise for a while and this is somewhat related this is a very let's say weird let's go with a weird development weird um weird. call of duty black ops cold war has an option for a non-binary pronoun for when you make your character which they're calling classified which i thought was kind of cute but yeah am i the only one that thinks it's a little weird that there is a by the way you get direct orders from like a realistic ronald reagan in this game thinks it's wait, a little we, bit oh wait I, do do we know that is that like in we the do. trailer we do it's in the trailer we do? okay i didn't know that ronald reagan is like you gotta you gotta go kill these these leftists for me uh they they use gender neutral pro. It, 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 there's just some weird. I'd like to see the numbers of who's super into Call of Duty and who has, who uses non-binary pronouns. Because like this is a cool. I think we can all agree this is like a super cool thing that they did. It's a good uh-huh. step. Yeah. But it's like there's a weird like maybe I'm just poisoned with irony from being online. But like there's just, something about this seems weird to me. You know. I I think what seems weird about it is that. Call of Duty has gone so far out of its way. That's what I mean, exactly. It's gone so far out of its way to avoid politics, but but only by their definition of politics. So like these what, games what, are inherently political, devs, yeah. Right. What these what these devs will, will will constantly do is they'll go, oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's 2010. This is the new you know PlayStation game Call of Duty Black Ops. In the opening mission, you play part of the task force sent to assassinate Fidel Castro. Um, and then you play a mission that represents the Bay of Pigs incident, but 
the game's not political. There's no politics here. It's yeah. just, you know, it's it's nothing. It's, it's the glorification of of, you know, that incident is and is to them a neutral stance, but it's not. Right. So, it's weird for them to make a a move that it w- will is like the easiest move for them to make to look progressive while also going like but we're still gonna make billions off of all these war crimes yeah off of actual war crimes that we're gonna just gonna kind of smudge the details of or just outright lie about um in a very like scummy period of u.s history like you know i'm sure we're gonna go deep into the the southern cone of influence shit right where we're just like assassinating um elected leftist leaders and replacing them with dictators and destabilizing entire countries right like this is a real thing that happened and just there's a weird disconnect in my brain between giving a character a a non-binary um pronoun which and also like having them commit war crimes you know like like i said i don't i'd love to see the numbers like if if you are if you identify as non or if you are a non-binary um and you're super into call of duty email us because like i want to pick your brain a little bit you know i'm sure it's not that i mean i don't I don't. I feel like you could get into whatever game, regardless. I don't. I don't think that would affect very much. I. I bet it's higher than you think. But yeah, it's just. But like you understand, what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Like it's. It's just something about it seems a little weird and off to me. It's great that they're doing this. This is like I think we can all agree that it's. It's a really cool step in the right direction. Um, but out of every game to do it. The fact that it's a Call of Duty game set during the Cold War where you take orders from Ronald Reagan is weird. I don't know. Have you heard of this story called Playing Metal Gear Solid Five that the New Yorker put out uh, six or seven months ago? No, I haven't. I know you have, Janelle. Oh, I, I think I sent it to you. You did? Yeah. I haven't heard of this. This was a story that they ran in their fiction section um, which at first appears to be sort of like a written let's play, um, that they actually, actually it was, it was very prominently featured. I want to say this even got like on the cover in terms of mentioning that it was in the magazine oh. with the New Yorker, but, um, it's written by a citizen of Afghanistan, um, writing about playing MGS5 and like being sent out to kill all of these people Mm. and talking about like how as he's shooting these characters he is seeing his own father or his own uncle being mowed down and and then getting points for it um and it's not going to be something i can do justice just by talking about it but um listener look up playing Metal Gear Solid Five, New Yorker. I don't remember the name of the author, but it shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, it's freely available, but it's 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 really, it's really powerful. And mm-hmm. I think definitely as Americans, it's so easy to forget that when Activision makes a game like Call of Duty Ghosts, where the plot is just that um, Venezuela starts taking over the world, and you're going <laughs> down and killing thousands of nameless venezuelan people shouting you know foreign language obscenities and the game doesn't bother to give that any nuance at all like i i just don't trust that when they handle one of the most complicated and nuanced conflicts in world history 
that they will not just make um, bad Russians bullet fodder. I don't know. Oh, of course so not. I ha- yeah, go ahead. I haven't said anything about this because even though I know that this is like our podcast, our space to like share our thoughts, I, I hesitate to talk about this because when the coronavirus first started happening, people used criticisms of the Chinese government as a way to be racist to Chinese yep, people. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back and I do obviously every game should have non binary pronoun yes. options. That's obviously but that I'm not gonna fucking forget the fact that they are removing important footage from their trailer as a way yep. to appease a really horrible, shitty government. Mm. I already have major issues with Call of Duty, but it doesn't feel like something that they're doing to be woke. It feels like something they're doing yeah. to try to make people forget that they're just trying to appease the Chinese government, which infuriates me. Yeah. So that's all I'll say about it. Nolan kept looking at me like I wasn't talking. And I just... No, I was, it's a, it looks like a, you had something to say. It's frustrating because I have a lot to say, but not here. Not today. Sure. You know? I get you. No? Yeah. I will say I have not seen as much outrage as I was expecting. I have not seen angry, crusty gamer chuds come out and be like, oh, I don't want to play as hashtag two genders whatever i haven't seen that so maybe that's promising maybe if you get in on the ground floor of the gamer chuds they'll accept you eventually um so that's a positive way i guess i can try to spend this um yeah but it, it's just it's it's weird and I, you know you mentioned that's I, what we've also talked about our, our distaste of call of duty is just lying about war crimes but yeah I mean, I think more than anything, it's just, it's surprising that Call of Duty is one of the games to be doing this, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Again, good step. It's just surprising that it's them. I'm not mad and, that it's And them. not it's just, just Call of Duty. Call of Duty game that's set in probably like the 60s, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. Look, man, Call of Duty had so much heart. I, it's so sad to me. And I'm not saying that this is some fallen great or anything, but if you trace the plot of Call of Duty 4, which in my opinion is the best non-World War II call it, I'll, you know, I'll say it's, it's the best Call of Duty game. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. The plot of that game is about uh, an American right? it, it, no, it's about an American invasion force going into a country in the Middle East based on incorrect intel and leading a spearhead invasion that is so messy and misguided that the british government has to send in special forces to try and correct course before america starts the third world war because of their incompetence in military planning and it ends up with a place getting nuked it ends up with basically all the american player characters being killed and it's a it's a complete fiasco and the moral of this game basically ends up being don't send thousands of troops on a revenge mission if you don't even know what you're doing but then call duty modern warfare 2 and 3 promptly turn that same cast of characters into international superheroes that single-handedly stop the evil bad guys from destroying the world with a satellite space nuke and they, 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 they wrap right back around to being patriotic Jingo. So there was a time where they were trying something and it was working really well. Do you happen to know and what year that's that That's an was? amazing game. And it just, Call of Duty 4 came out 2007, uh. I think. And it just, it just slipped, man. It just slipped away. They don't, they don't make them like they used to, you know, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
Hey, maybe this uh, game, maybe we'll, maybe it'll pull the wool over our eyes and be like, oh, maybe so. S- surprise! This is awful crimes that are happening. Um, if yeah. it's on Game Pass, maybe I'll play it. It's not. Let's it's see. not going to be on Game Pass. Are you <laughs> kidding me? There are people already foaming at the mouth uh, to buy this game because it has the Black Ops logo on it, and like people our age, uh, the first Black Ops game was such a huge deal that like you know. The Jon Snow game made me cry because the robot died. And <laughs> was I, that what Advanced Warfare? Infinite Warfare. Yeah, Infinite Warfare made me cry when is, the robot is that, Isn't that the one with Kevin Spacey? No. No, it's the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Which one's Kevin Spacey in? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. I... I know that it's one of the most recent ones, though. Yeah. You know, Black Ops is the first game I ever pre-ordered. And it was one of it's still one of only, like, four games that I've done that with. But I uh, I definitely remember going to the store to pick up Black Ops. What a, what a cool game. What a cool yeah. game. Yeah. All right, so yeah. we don't have a yeah. whole lot of time. Is there? Do we have any closing <clears throat> thoughts we want to say, or uh, Call of Duty bad? Yeah, yeah, I'll side with you Call on Duty. that. Yeah, Call of Duty bad. Call of Duty four good. Call of Duty two and three really good. Call of Duty Finest Hour excellent. Taught me about Stalingrad. Every Call of Duty <laughs> after that, mess, a mess. And then I promptly had to l- learn in school that I Stalingrad was not actually like it was in Call of Duty, but at least <laughs> so, I learned. So so it didn't teach you Stalingrad. <laughs> Yeah, so it didn't at all. It actively uh, lied to you, just like the newer ones. No, no, no. Happened. Listen, listen, okay. listen. Let me. Can we stop listen, talking about Call of Duty? Understand. Oh my god! In in the finest hour mission in Stalingrad, you don't get a gun because there's more Russian men than there are weapons. So you get sent in to the Battle of Stalingrad with no weapon, and the entire mission is running from cover to cover while every character that's been introduced up to that point is just being mowed down and mercilessly killed and you're not even given the dignity of having a weapon to fight back and they're basically like telling you to rush objectives and if you are in any way going to say no i am not going to run into that machine gun fire with literally no gun it would be pointless then you would get shot for being a traitor and that's not some kind of like special message but i played that game i think when i was 10 and that was mind-blowing to me um (laughs) Just saying. That that game did a lot for me at a young age. So come on, Treyarch Infinity Ward. Make a good Call of Duty game again for me. Just one. Just one. Please. Just one. I can smell the Mountain Dew on <laughs> Oh, shush. He's wearing Nike shorts now and those long Nike socks. I turned my hat backwards. I'm going to start a SoundCloud rap, rap uh, album now. You Fuck know this. It. Let's talk about something else. Okay. Let's talk about <laughs> 2009. the best game of 2009. Which, yeah. Janelle, what's yours? Yeah. Well, I had a moment where this was really tough because do you know what two games came out that year? I do not. Dragon Age Origins came out, mm. and so did Demon Souls. Oh. And like hours before recording, I was freaking out about this. <laughs> but um, I think that Dragon Age Origins—it was one of my favorite games for years. It's not not one of my favorite games. I've just played a lot more games right, since right. then. Um, but it's. One of the only RPGs that I've played that feels like a good old D&D RPG and is, like, also accessible and interesting, you know? Yeah, I've heard that um, a lot, yeah. That game is incredible. I'm always talking to Nolan about needing to finish it. He started it, never finished it. Yeah. Someday, maybe. But it's incredible. I love that game. Um, Game of the year. Game of the decade. Game of the decade, wow. Well, game of... Something. Yeah, because we're only doing a game of the year. In case the listeners weren't aware, every every episode yeah. we pick our favorite game of a certain year, starting in 96, now we're here, so. Yep. 
started from the bottom. Now we're now here. We're in 2009. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nolan, do you Alex, have one? what about you? Oh, okay. All right. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mine was tough. Uh, it's, there were some decent games this year, but for me, I think I have to go with Bayonetta. Bayonetta 1 is not nearly as wow. good as 2, but I think Bayonetta is still, like, one of the best action games ever made. And it does that, and it's that for a couple reasons. A big one is Witch Time, which I could talk for literally hours about how Witch Time is an amazing mechanic to center your game around. It's just so incredibly smart and interesting. Um, but we don't have a lot of time. Uh, one other thing I'm going to say is that I really like how this game has this super flashy, over-the-top combat. Everything is ridiculous. Like, it's it's got a lot of uh, uh, Death May Cry DNA in it, but it kind of amps it up to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is this really interesting thing where I like where uh, the... Bayonetta herself, the player character, one of her, like, character traits is that she always needs to be the center of attention. Like, she needs to have everyone looking at her at all times. She's kind of a diva. That's, like, her thing. Um, and there's one of the boss battles is with, like, a, like, synthetic clone of yourself, or, like, a magic clone. And you have this sort of, like, she can do everything you can do. And it's one of the most interesting battles, because the entire time, Bayonetta is furious that someone else might be in her spotlight. (laughs) Um, oh and it, it's like it's like Dark Link. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like Dark Link if Dark Link had like a weird like jealousy problem, but <laughs> but well, uh, he does, but he doesn't talk. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah you, yeah, you don't know about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that game rules. It just oozes with style and goofiness, and it's so it's I love I love Bayonetta. I could talk for a while about Bayonetta. We don't have a lot of time to talk about Bayonetta. Nolan, talk Link. about something that isn't Bayonetta. Link loves to go on his ex-girlfriend's Facebook page, and whenever he sees pictures of her being happy, he goes, Yeah! <laughs> well, he, he says all, that for a lot time. of things, so... Yeah! 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 Nolan, Nolan uh, tell us about that year. Where were you? <laughs> what, were you what were your beliefs? Well, day by 12. day. Day by day. Tell I was 12 years old. Yeah. And I had just probably gotten an Xbox 360 a little while ago. My first oh, game yeah, on yeah. my 360 was Mirror's Edge. As well as Tom Clancy's End War. Okay, but what is your the same day? favorite that year? My favorite that year. Mm. Guys, this is a really hard year. Because yeah. there are a lot of really important games that came out this year. Um, and I'm struggling so hard not to say Minecraft. Because... Does Minecraft count? Yeah. Why wouldn't Minecraft count? Well, it came out it, in 2009. Did it come out in 2009? Because I thought it well, was, I guess quote unquote, early depends. access until like 2012. It depends whether or not you consider Minecraft 1.0, the beginning of Minecraft, or earlier. But to me, the Minecraft social phenomenon began when that game was still in alpha. And sure. I, I yeah. would think that it should count because it, it was already making its moves if if i could have wrath of the lich king last week you can have minecraft one right you're allowed to have minecraft it's not like um but we'll allow you to have minecraft okay so so minecraft is is probably the most obvious choice to me but what were you going to say just out of curiosity yeah i i was mostly bouncing around between like other things and going oh that's a good candidate but it's just not it just ain't the one, you know? Um, I think that D- Demon Souls is a good candidate, too, but in my opinion, and sorry for listeners that don't feel this way, um, Demon Souls is, 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 is an incredible game, but, like, the, the, the master class result of Demon Souls is still Dark Souls. 
So mm-hmm. that that would go for for 2011. Um, other than that, maybe Uncharted 2. But again, it's just not as good as Minecraft, man. So I'm going to say Minecraft. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <clears throat> All right. That's the best game of 2009. I heard Hatsune Miku created Minecraft. She did. In She's fact, you very talented. Episode about that. Yeah. Hatsune yeah. Miku also deleted Notch's Twitter today. That's gone, by Wait, the way. Wait, really? really? Notch deleted his Twitter today. Wow. I don't know the details, but... Frankly, sound that sounds great. Don't come back, man. Yeah, I saw a game Game Maker's Toolkit was was somehow involved in this interaction, and he tweeted something about how, as of today, Peter Molyneux crying during an interview is no longer the strangest interaction I've had with games <laughs> writing. <laughs> uh, All right, fun so... fact: apparently, Peter Molyneux cries in a lot of interviews. I um, too read Jason Schreier's tweet. Maybe you should. St- Stop lying about every feature of all of your games, <laughs> bud. Uh, then you wouldn't feel so caught all the time. Damn. Yeah. Well, next episode we're gonna we're gonna uh, you can choose from three episode paths and become the most powerful listener of all time. Um, I was trying to do a thing where I like promised things that Peter Molyneux would promise if he was heading the Emerald Games cast, but there's not really like a feature set you can apply to a podcast episode. Um. Not really, no. Listen to our podcast and you will become a millionaire. Well, if you if you pay $100 a week to listen to our podcast, you oh my can... God. You can, um... You can take it. You can have it. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it, man. Okay, that is the Emerald Games cast. Free now. Free forever. Free always. <laughs> Don't listen to the lie jokes. And I've been Nolan. With me has been... Call of Duty Dog. <laughs> and? Um, Ronald Reagan. And oh. if you want to email us, do so at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com. Uh, also, we have a Twitter, at ODEGamesCast. And see you next week. Go ahead and email us your fan art of the dog from Call of Duty Ghosts. Ghost Dog. That's a good movie. Ghost, Ghost Dog. Jim Jarmusch directed that.